Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 226, for August 14th, 2023. Pound those forever chemicals. Today we're going to be talking about AI model that uses chest x-rays to spot diabetes well before anybody even has any idea. Investors calling wildfire victims, Netflix streaming games, flying aliens in Peru are miners with jetpacks, panic at the games showcase on August 29th, taking our skyscraper window washing jobs, Ohio Mall has AI-powered security robot, Ford CEO gets electric reality check, COVID-19 is endemic, so research continues. Pounding the forever out of chemicals. Learning styles is a myth. Man, people don't believe that one. And can oysters save the planet? I don't know. Let's find out. I'm Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that keeps me out of trouble, but probably doesn't most of the time. What is that saying about your AI? Good evening, hometown citizens. That you're trapped in a box of emotion. Or not. I don't know. So we've already selected all 12 of our articles. Um, today's been kind of a, a, a flat day, you know. Didn't get out much. I am mayor of hometown, and so I've been working all day. Um seeing people talking with people putting out fires and that kind of stuff but nothing uh, you know uh, amazing uh, really happened in hometown it's a nice calm day a bunch of news but nothing really exciting how about on the uh sentient artificial intelligence side um today was a good day but i don't have anything to report for the show gotcha <laughs> wow it's very secret double hush hush that's okay Let's get going. <laughs> uh, today's very first article is in Hometown Daily. That's this show. It's also a channel over on hometown.com and over in the Discord. And it's the show that drives everything at Hometown over at YouTube as well. And the podcast. <sighs> and it's the main engine for... Um, it's the main engine for the uh, Patreon account as well. Um, do you hear? Does everybody hear that music? I hear oh, music. yes. <laughs> we have background music here in hometown, hometown daily in particular, and <laughs> it's very <laughs> chipper. It's OK. I'm going to let it play through this whole episode. Not like this. It'll be different as time goes on. But uh, it's called Sunny Time. Appropriately named. <laughs> Let's just talk about this. So this uh, AI model uses chest x-rays to spot diabetes warning signs. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to turn it down a little more. Uh, the new artif- A new artificial intelligence model finds that uh, chest x-ray images can provide warning signs for diabetes, according to a new study. Um, they actually, this is over at futurity.org uh, by Brian 
Katzowitz from, I think it's Emory University. Um, the article says that uh, it could help physicians detect disease earlier and prevent complications according to the study that was published to Nature Communications. Applying the computational method known as deep learning to images and electronic health record data, the researchers developed a model that successfully flagged elevated diabetes risk uh, in a retrospective analysis. So what that really amounts to is um, without arguably, you know, I don't know exactly how they processed it, but it would be uh, typically done that they look back at all of the material, um, the data. They don't tell you, or I should say the AI, I'm talking. So it's not AI. like real time diagnosis. Correct. At least not in the training phase. Um, but what they do is they look back and they they ask the AI, is there anything anomalous in this data set? And so the data would, or I should say the AI would suss out the, the uh, possibility of an ailment this way or that way, whatever it might be. And uh, then they could look at that data and go, oh, you know what? It actually detected a whole bunch of people with diabetes based on X number of elements. And then they can go and they can take another blind live study with no references in it and run it, not in training mode, but in a live analysis mode. And it would spit out results. And if it detected diabetes, then they could literally just go, okay, here's an image we know or don't know if it's, you know, we actually have got a, a diagnosis of diabetes. And then we test it where we know for a fact it's diabetes or not and see if it becomes a false positive or a false negative, whatever it might be. So it's pretty brilliant um, that they look back and I think they had hundreds of thousands. The researchers trained the AI model on more than 270,000 x-ray images from 160,000 patients with deep learning determining the image features that best predicted a later diagnosis of diabetes. Um, because chest x-rays are not a common way to detect diabetes, the researchers also used explainable AI techniques to determine how and why the model made its determinations. The methods pointed to the location of fatty tissue as important uh, to determining risk, a logic that aligns with recent medical findings that visceral fat in the upper body and abdomen is associated with type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, hypertension, and other uh, conditions. So if you are a per see now this is this is like common locations for fat storage so uh, it <laughs> it's a target rich environment for crying out loud for ai to just determine it but they determine the ai determined it on its own that's what's right and if it's accurate compared to real diagnoses or whatever then, then it could it be matter? useful correct and this is the use for AI that I want everybody to get behind and not start slamming the door on AI because, you know, teachers are having a rough time of it because they're not actually reading what their students are providing them in a way that is aligned with how they are interacting with their students. 
and I, I really do firmly believe that, and I'd have to go in and, and talk to um, some professors, but um, I'm pretty sure that professors, uh, those in higher education, not necessarily in grade school, but in higher education, would be able to suss out when an AI-generated uh, document shows up in their inbox. Whereas grade school is crushed by an on, onslaught of students you know uh, a lot of colleges end up with and I, I, this is just a tertiary thing to this because this is all about diabetes and all but uh, ai is the the tool here and we're either going to embrace it or we're going to discount it and try and shutter it and hobble it and whatever but you can't really do both you can't say oh you can't use it here and wholeheartedly embrace it over here because it will cross that ravine of um you know dislike or concern and a motivated student is always going to use it anyway before i get too distracted by the academic side of things um if it does an admirable job in detecting diabetes, then all it takes is the historical record that would be on file for you in your doctor's office. It analyzes your x-rays and can tell you if there's a trend of uh, fatty deposits in your x-rays, if you have torso x-rays. And from that point on, ta-da, you, <laughs> an AI is gonna sit there and say, hey, you have diabetes. I mean, I think that would be good. A lot of people get chest x-rays for any number of reasons. And there's a lot of data out there that could be quickly analyzed and maybe save somebody uh, from many years of treatment, etc. Oh, a whole lot of pain and suffering, that's for sure. Because it can lead to more things, um, diabetes all by itself. Um, it, it definitely has a knock-on effect with the rest of your uh, health. So um, insulin resistance in and of itself has great impact on your health. So at any rate, um, this Futurity uh, article uh, came across my desk and I, I really needed to talk about it. So because um, body mass index and all of this um, stuff is really more nebulous Um and, and not necessarily accurate until you're really high. Um, and then it becomes obvious that you're in the obese range because some people are. <laughs> you mean your body mass is really high? Yeah. What's interesting is you can actually be. Okay. So if you're like um, 5'10", your weight is supposed to be like 135, 145 pounds. And I think most people are born at 125 pounds. I mean, it's just ridiculously low. Um, and I think that, I think that is, uh, the discussions that I have is largely in the idea that it's going to be all muscle and you're going to be healthy and, and working out four hours out of the day, every other day. I mean, just ridiculous. Um, and, uh, it doesn't really account for genetics. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of people 
have a genetic predisposition for cholesterol and and not necessarily a fast metabolism in perpetuity um so uh, having a diagnostic tool being able to assess you without anything other than an x-ray and in since 2019 there's been a massive number of people getting chest x-rays for all the likes of things because the moment you cough a doctor's gonna go yeah i'm a you know, nowadays, let's go, let's get an x-ray. Although they really frown on doing x-rays now as well. You know, it's basically a risk uh, assessment. Risk reward uh, or risk return, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Hello, Z. Welcome to the show. Good to see you stop by. Really do appreciate it. I hope you brought a party with you. Um, we're talking about the fact that an AI um model was used to detect diabetes warning signs well ahead of even diagnostic assessments um, by using nothing more than x-rays it was trained on over 200,000 of them um, and uh, eventually led to being able to detect when somebody has diabetes pretty neat stuff um as he says that they are the party uh, don't be sorry <laughs> It's awesome to have you here. Thank you very much. And if anybody is lurking and, and wants to say something or uh, have a question, then feel free to throw it in chat and we'll deviate from going on to the next article um, or we'll just go on to the next article. You ready to go on to the next article? I'm ready. Let's go. So this next article is over in hometown daily investors are calling Maui fire uh, wildfire victims to buy their Hawaii land. Um, I had a different title for this and I had to dial it back because it actually kind of triggered me. Um, I guess my bias is real that these people are still right in the very early stages of coping with this losing everything and i feel like it may not have even made it to their property yet i mean right. a lot of people have not been back yeah exactly you know they're they're hardly even um z says how incredibly insensitive yeah that that right there is an understatement i from my perspective because i was like these ambulance chasing greedy bastards are the type of people that would run out into a battle a war zone and pull boots off of people it's sick you know let these people wrap their head around the issue before you come trundling in there and flapping money around and saying we'll buy your land you anyway so i i i try to be level-headed about this stuff when i'm reporting the news when we're talking about the issues but for crying out loud have some humanity um and if you if you're an investor and you're calling up people, you had better be saying, you know what? I've made a lot of money. So here's a bunch. Let's make sure that you're safe and sound and happy. I'll make some more money. We know that you're suffering, but that's not what's happening, right? Well, and that's actually what I thought was going on when I initially saw the headline. I had the transaction all backward. Like I thought it was almost a charitable, like you're describing. Um, but yeah, the, the timing and the, 
just the whole tenor of this is just so wrong. So the accounts for what's happening, uh, the article, by the way, is over at newsweek.com. Matthew Impelli is the author. Um, And I haven't read all of this, so I'm really curious if maybe I've missed the context of this because I had heard something outside of this article. Um, And uh, like all things, you know, I wait until articles get submitted until I end up parsing through all of the news um, with a finer tooth comb to decide what we're going to talk about today. But no, it says I'm frustrated with investors and realtors calling the families who lost their home offering to buy their land. How dare you do that to our community right now? If you are a victim and they are calling you, please get their name, get their business name so we can put them on blast. The person speaking in Kako Halea Kala's video said, Um, because this is what people are coming home to. And who needs some asshat calling them up? Wait, are we eight minutes into it? Yeah, we are. Um, Who needs some asshat calling them up saying, hey, we know that you're suffering. Here's some cash. See you. Bye. Thanks. I have I'm incredibly insensitive. Exactly. Z. I'll say it again. Z said this earlier. How incredibly insensitive. Um, And it's soulless. It's sociopathic. You know, and you know, AI, that I am very much a proponent in the belief that, not belief, this is a fact, it's an understanding. The research bears it out. Multiple books have been written, research papers have been written about it, the rise of sociopathy in society around the world. Um, and uh, th- this is what it comes to, where getting land cheaply because people are distraught and lost everything but the real property that real estate is the only thing that couldn't be burned away that land is the only thing that even if it were covered up with lava from a lava flow they still own that gps coordinate demarcating their property by the way that land would be very rich in at later on when the soil gets churned up and stuff like that it becomes very lucrative soil um but in hawaii it's so limited that owning the property shoots through the roof like all the time it keeps moving up in value because it's such a limited thing and and so many people want to come and visit so when somebody is hurting you go rolling in there it's just it's sociopathic it really does irritate me um but let me throw this into um chat so you can go and check it out yourself if you are in chat go for it um with that in mind let's move on to the next article unless you want to say something else about it i don't have anything else to add okay The next article is over in Hometown Daily. Netflix finally streams video games too. I'm going to jump straight on over to the source. This is at The Verge. Um, Jay Peters is the author. And it says Netflix's first cloud gaming test announces the arrival of real Netflix of games. I think this is kind of interesting. Um, 
But Netflix is kicking off the first public test of its cloud streamed games beginning Monday. That's today because this article is from yesterday. Um, and um, it should be today that it's doing it. But it's been titled, it's got an August 14th date. So, huh, interesting. Um, anyways, some Netflix subscribers in Canada and UK will be able to check out Netflix game stream to select TVs, connected TV devices, and on the web from uh, Netflix.com. In a blog post, uh, Netflix VP of games, Mike Verdu, characterized this as a limited beta test to a small number of members. So not all subscribers in Canada and UK will have uh, uh, right away. Um, the company first launched, launched its mobile game offering um, as a free perk for subscribers in November 2021. So far, the company's titles have only been available on iOS and Android. Um, I don't know anybody that plays these, that does any gaming. I don't know. Does anybody in chat actually know anybody that plays Netflix streaming games? Yes, Will this be a... Um a potential competitor for all other regular streaming uh, excuse me all other gaming uh platforms like they would want it to be but it's a cloud right. gaming I said thing potentially but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean they would want it to be but it's a, a cloud gaming solution so you basically play a game from a server on that's controlled by netflix certain games it's kind of at this point, unless they say you have to buy the game, um, it's owned by Netflix and they stream it from their servers and it's a value add to the Netflix service. Um, but I have never even ventured into it. I knew that this existed, but not a single time have I been sold on the idea of going to Netflix to stream a game. I just don't see it. Um, so it says here, here are a few TVs and connected devices that will support Netflix games for now. Amazon Fire TV streaming media players, which no duh. Um, Chromecast with T Google TV, LG TVs, NVIDIA Shield, Roku, Samsung Smart TVs, Walmart, ONN. Um, and if you have any of your smart devices directly attached to your network, I hope you have a strong firewall and um, know how to use it. Uh, because it's going to be sending out all kinds of telemetry. <laughs> um, and uh, you basically lost your privacy. Uh, not to mention it'll be streaming ads and stuff like that uh, back into your uh, service. So, um, the author of this article says that they haven't tried any of the Netflix games uh, themselves, so they can't vouch for what it's actually like to play them. Given Netflix's long experience in streaming video, they suspect it's decently smooth. I just don't see it. You know, I don't see it having legs, you know, having traction. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, but maybe. Well, there's also a lot of people that don't have the right devices, so they're not even eligible to try it anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it'll maybe it'll grow maybe people will uh, attach to it but we know from experience that a lot of people just they're not interested in this and have to be really really sold on it you might have inferior hardware like right now you can't most people can't go out and buy a five thousand dollar computer which 
if you want to play top of the line games with the highest graphics, you're going to be spending like five grand. Um, it's ridiculous, but that's the way it is. But if you subscribe to a cloud gaming platform, that's what you get. The only thing you have to deal with is a little bit of lag. Um, depending on your internet connection, it could be large or small, but there you go. You know, if you want a 4090 powered computer, you either shell out five grand or you shell out 20 bucks a month. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds pretty appealing. So it says Netflix subscribers can always fall back on any of the 70 mobile games if they want. So maybe after the show, I'll take a gander at it. Um, you know, nowadays you're subscribed to Netflix and Hulu and Disney and what else? Prime and Paramount. And oh, yeah. God, there's so uh, many. Max and. Oh, geez. Just it's ridiculous. Acorn. <laughs> yeah. And it used to not be balkanized and you had a single cable. And now you have a single cable where you have to pay for the internet as well. You always did anyway, but now you pay for the internet so that you can access all of the balkanized services and you pay 10 times as much because everybody's demanding somewhere to the tune of six to $20 a month, you know? So, you know, if you have a gigabit internet and you're not somebody that is been blessed with Google Fiber or some other service that provides it like Glow Fiber is a new one um, and it's uh, landing in uh, I think in DC in that area but Google is down in North Carolina um, everywhere else is this balkanized area for one cable company or another that's providing it like Comcast um, but now you have that cable which has always been there and everybody calls you a cord cutter or you call yourself a cord cutter, but you're really subscribed to 15 different apps. <sighs> and they're getting more of the money. You're still getting, you're getting fewer, uh, a range of options because it's all constrained to their properties. You have to go to a different app altogether. Then if you want regular television, you have to subscribe to a service that's TV. So you've got various choices there, but it's usually back to cable. So <laughs> you're, you can't get away from it. You just can't get away from it. And I still, to this day, I giggle about the idea that 30 years ago now, it's third, been 30 years that we joked. I remember joking in an office this is this this just isn't going to happen this just can't happen um and lo and behold it's happened all right did you want to say anything about this add anything to this are you gonna no be i don't have anything else yeah i didn't think that you'd be playing netflix games i mean but i would probably do this instead of buying a five thousand dollar you yeah. know set up with video card etc yeah, when the video card is like the 4090 series cards are 1500 bucks. Um, that's that used to be the price for the full computer at the GTX level, you know, back in the day. Um, now, now it's one third <laughs> the total price. Actually, it's, it's completely it, outrageous. It's more than 50% of a typical computer's price. 
Okay, let's keep going. Uh, this one was pretty funny, so I had to include it when it was submitted. Uh, Mobble is the channel that it's housed in, but Flying Aliens is the <laughs> apparently harassing a village in Peru. And it was actually illegal miners with jetpacks, according to the police. Strange beings, locals said, visiting an isolated indigenous community in rural Peru at night, harassing its inhabitants and attempting to kidnap a 15-year-old girl. All right, well, that's where it goes a little dark, but these gentlemen are aliens. They seem armored like the green goblin from Spider-Man. I have shot one twice and it didn't fall. Instead, it elevated and disappeared. Huaro Radagea Avila, a local leader of the indigenous Ikiru group living in the northwestern Manus province, told Peruvian radio station RPP Noticias on August 1st, we are frightened by what's happening in the community. This is over at uh, vice.com. Nathaniel Janowitz um, is uh, the author of this. The deck statement is authorities announced their theory after visiting the isolated indigenous community where the attacks took place. Um, yeah, Z, isn't that, it is amazing, isn't it? I'm, <laughs> what's really, when I first saw this, I immediately went to like, uh, the Mayans and the conquistador, uh, like yes. meme where they're like, if you give us your gold, we'll bring back the sun, you know, and, uh, just kind of blows me away that anybody would, uh, say this, but you know, <laughs> these are illegal miners with jetpacks. I'm more inclined to believe the aliens than right. Exactly. One sounds more realistic, and it's not the jetpack one. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Um. So, um, the person was a local leader that said all of this other stuff. Uh, we're frightened by what's happening in the community. Their their color is silver. Their shoes are round in shape, and with those, they rise up. They float one meter high and have a red light on their heel. Uh, said Avila, their heads are long, their mask is long, and their eyes are sort of yellowish. Um, I won't read the whole thing verbatim. Uh, I'll, I'll post the link into the chat so that you can go and check it out um, directly. Uh, but apparently there are uh, either aliens and or uh, jetpack powered illegal miners and by miners, I mean people digging in the ground, not miners as in children with jetpacks. Okay, now the main takeaway I got was how do the indigenous peoples know about Spider-Man? Um, because I would have assumed they were kind of um, in a remote community, not necessarily tied into a lot of you news mean sources, etc. They're on the other side of the technology divide. Is that the implication? I would have assumed so, but apparently not. A local teacher who witnessed the attack said that they were using state-of-the-art technology like thrusters that allow people to fly. He said that after looking the devices up on Google, apparently they have Google, um, he believed that they were jetpacks. So the local teacher is the one that actually 
um, kind of stymied the alien uh, messaging here. Um, or not. I don't know. Maybe it could be aliens with jetpacks. Authorities have not made any arrests related to the attacks, nor named the alleged assailants or the organization directly. However, the prosecutor's office claimed that they've destroyed 110 dredging operations and 10 illegal mining camps in the area already in 2023. Right. So have they found any jet fuel or... Right, and why do you need a jetpack as a miner? So that you can scare away people. you're usually trying to descend, not <laughs> ascend. Well, maybe when you're done, you're trying to ascend. This is just weird. This is one of those things that's going to end up in the Y files. <laughs> it's got to. It is one of the strangest headlines I've seen in hometown ever. Wow. Pretty cool. And now I'm going to turn that into one of the emotes for the, for, uh, hometown. And, uh, everybody can use that when they drop in to say hi, Z, that little alien head popping out. <laughs> I, and by the way, I think that's a Getty image that is it, not from Peru. It, it is. No, the, these are the Peruvian illegal alien miners. And they're children. I'm, I've got it all wrong entirely with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Extraterrestrial minor miners with jetpacks. <laughs> Let's keep going. So in technology today, Panic will host its first games showcase on August 29th. So if you're into games... Along with making the Playdate and some Mac apps, Panic is also a well-regarded games publisher with Firewatch and Untitled Goose Game under its belt. However, it's been a few years since Panic released um, a game outside of uh, titles made specifically for the Playdate. Uh, Panic is ramping up its publishing efforts and will soon be uh, get a peek at what's in the pipeline with the company hosts its first games showcase and you can watch it live on panic's youtube channel at 1 p.m on august 29th and that's pretty much what this whole article is about um you'll get to see new games along with fresh looks at i, I don't know how to pronounce that newer um play with your food and despelite despelote sorry despelote i'm not sure if that's even pronounced correctly um, but I wanted to draw attention to another uh, games developer. Um, I I swear I have something from Panic. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Let me see. Do they talk about it? Anything else in here? No. Well, they don't. But that's it. That's all that this article is all about. So let me throw that into the chat too. Um, there you go. You can follow that if you are so inclined. Again, you can always just type in exclamation point, <clears throat> exclamation point vote, and that'll give you the URL. If my bot's working, apparently my bot is not working. Oh, goodness. Anyway, you can go to hometown and there's a link right there. Hometown daily election. Um, it's actually at hometown.com slash elections. I honestly don't know what's going on with my bot, but that's okay. Omatron, er, um, let's let's just keep going. 
The uh, the next articles over at Hatch ID is window washing robots are working on Manhattan skyscrapers. I think that this is a great idea for technology. Um, now another robot it's taken our job, but still. Um, oh wow. Uh, Molly Kayser is the author of this article over at CNBC. Um, and it's about a window washing robot that just goes down the side of the building. It used to be humans that were doing this, but it's somewhat dangerous and uh, very time consuming. And by the time they get to the bottom of the window washing job, they have to start over with the top of the window washing job. Uh, but if a company has a bunch of these sitting or if a building owner has a bunch of these sitting on top of the building, they can descend down the sides and wash the windows in perpetuity for X amount of dollars. Makes sense. I only hope that they warn the occupants of the building before they start this, because it's probably startling when you look outside and there's a window washer, but it's probably really startling if you see a robot. <laughs> out the window so i've actually been in a building when i've seen a window washer descend um to wash windows and um you get used to it real fast but i suppose the first time you see it because that's what happened to me the first time you saw it you're, you're like whoa wait that's a human being um you know they're safe they're on a platform they're tied in the platform's tied in and it's tied in uh not only with its uh, ropes, but its cables, and it's you're tied into the uh, cable as well. Um, but a window washing robot, if anything goes hinky with a window washing robot, you can replace it. It's hard to replace a human unless you're, I don't know, a real estate agent trying to buy burned down property in Hawaii. Then you don't really care. Uh, the machine is part of a new wave of technology that can replicate human work. Doesn't that sound familiar? Skyline Robotics has been working on the robot since 2017. You can now tell how fast it is going. It's accelerating the automation process. Um, you know, 20 years ago, this wasn't even possible. 10 years ago, there, uh, Boston Dynamics was sitting there starting its processes. Um, and then now you've got robots that are sitting there washing windows and moving boxes and doing backflips off of platforms and completely autonomous. I wish I was joking, uh, but it, it absolutely is happening. Boston Dynamics bots in particular are, are pretty amazing. And those are the public ones. Um, so this window washing robot Osmo is now operational in Tel Aviv and New York and has uh, worked on major Manhattan buildings such as 10 Hudson Yards. 383 Madison, uh, 250, uh, sorry, two, my goodness, 825 Third Avenue and Seven World Trade Center in partnership with the city's largest commercial window cleaner, Platinum, and real estate giant, the Durst Organization. Oh my goodness, there is a window cleaning company called Platinum? Well, I'm going to have to contact somebody that... I was contacted by somebody because I'm a... I do strategic management consulting and um, the <laughs> um, their company is called Platinum. And so I guess I'm going to have to go and tell them. I need to go and look to see if that's actually um, an LLC, a corporation, and uh, let them know that they're probably barking up the wrong tree. 
Um, at any rate, with the LiDAR or what the LiDAR uh, powered bot can do, it's actually uh, doing as a as the basket is descending and sort of painting itself a picture of the facade that it's facing. Um, and so it knows where it's supposed to clean and then it does it more precisely than trying to program it um, like preemptively, like saying, okay, every 10 feet is a window because then it would miss where it's supposed to go. But with LiDAR, it can actually center itself and then clean and then go down to the next window. And as it's going down, it's scanning it and then it can clean. So it's pre pretty brilliant use of LiDAR. Um, thing that would really throw it off is weather. <laughs> uh, they actually get thrown off by rain and, and dust and stuff like that. Oh, I was thinking that it would have a benefit of being able to be out there. Although you wouldn't want to be cleaning windows if I guess it was raining. But yeah, um, but I didn't think about that. Yeah, when it uh, when there's too much rain, then the lidar can't reflect back at the distance it's supposed to fly, uh, bounce back. Anyway, that person, other than regulation, doesn't actually have to be there for our sake. We could, in theory, remote control Osmo from different parts of the world. So it's even a web empower, uh, yeah, a web powered um, bot. So pretty amazing stuff, uh, but this is just one area, you know, the current cost of Osmo is about $500,000 and they talk about the changing workforce. Every business that has investors uh, and every business where the owner doesn't really want employees is looking towards automation or outsourcing it entirely, right? So there's a company that I uh, used to really admire um, and uh, all of their products were hand. This was what they were touting. It was handmade in the United States from exotic woods, high quality construction, etc. Right. And they end up buying another company and then shit canning the whole company. Then they find out that stuff is really expensive to make in an, as an ongoing concern and they start outsourcing it to a different area of the country. They find out that it's not good enough and there's too much deviation because it's handmade. And so they outsource it to a foreign country and now they're expanding that operation, um, in a foreign country. Um, and domestically, instead of it all being handmade, they're seeing, seeing everything. So at what point it's like that, um, philosophical uh, question about if you replace all of the boards of the ship is it still the same ship well now you've automated everything and the only final thing that gets done by a human is the final tooling of whatever this item is that i'm talking about and lo and behold even that is starting to get automated so there's no more hands-on there's no more handmade anything um it's all <laughs> at some point somebody's going to have to come in and go, okay, this isn't a human centric operation. Um, and you can't say that it's handmade unless 75% of the product is made by hand. Um, but every business that is just an example. Every business is trying to move away from humans because humans are expensive and 
you know, they show up stoned or drunk or they just go goofy. They have a bad day, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, but a business will save up, save up, save up, and then start replacing the humans with automation. Go look at your grocery store. Right. Where did all the cashiers go? Um, to another job or the unemployment line, both of which sucks. Um, let's keep going. Next uh, articles over in the Mobile Channel. Ohio Shopping Mall introduces AI-powered security robot for enhanced safety. Uh, I don't care how heavy this thing is. It's a 420-pound uh, um, bot known as Sam or Secret Agent Man, apparently, developed by California-based robotics company Nightscope, which sounds devilish in, in and of itself. Um, it's a 5-foot-1-inch patrolling robot um weighs 420 pounds so it's big boned i guess and um i guarantee you there's going to be a bunch of people in california that's just going to push this thing over but it's in ohio maybe ohioans are less likely to push a bot over no i don't know <laughs> this is over at the stockdork.com. Malik Greystone is the author. I don't think that's the bot. I think this is a, a, a I don't know if it's a Getty image or what, but this is a deposit photos image. Uh, I don't like fluff pictures, you know? Let's see. AI I algorithm. Think many articles use so that seemed to be the norm. Yeah, absolutely. AI algorithms integrated into SAM uh, enable it to detect anomalies in real time and send alerts uh, to the on-site security team. This augmentation of security aims to prevent incidents, ensure swift responses to emerging concerns, and promote a welcoming atmosphere within the community. Because nothing says welcome to the community like a robot. Yeah, I was kind of on board with the first two things. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, as AI technology continues to expand its presence in public spaces, including schools and museums, Sam's introduction exemplifies how robotics and AI can work to in tandem to promote security and peace of mind. This is a little bit too much heavy handed marketing and kind of like indoctrination messaging. Um, like, oh, no, you should embrace your robot overlords. Uh, the thing about this did you though, read the company name stark enterprises no i jumped over that sean flanagan wait it wasn't was it stark hold on a second i thought it was maybe see developed by california-based robotics company nightscope sam stands at five one but down here it says Sean Flanagan, vice president of security at Stark Enterprises, the company that owns Crocker Park, expressed enthusiasm for Sam's role. <laughs> Stark Enterprises. Why do I know that name outside of M uh, MCU? Well, that's the only place I'm thinking of. But Huh. I swear I've seen that somewhere before. Um... 
They say their priority has always been to provide a safe and secure environment for everyone who visits our center, and the Nightscope robot will play a crucial role in enhancing our existing security measures. But really, that's code for uh, we don't need as many security representatives walking around and, and mingling with the community. We've got this bot that has 360 degree vision and can detect anomalous behavior and notify the five people that we have employed. I'm really curious if they've kept everybody that they've hired or if they've scaled back hiring because they don't need as many because the bot is in play. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if I, if I buy into this, but it is what it is. Yeah. And in this case, it's the Ohio shopping mall introduced an AI powered security robot for enhanced safety. Pick up that can citizen. This reminds me of like Ed 209 from uh, RoboCop. Um, you'll have to watch the movie if you don't know what Ed 209 is. Basically, it's an AI powered bot um, that was supposed to um, be a security bot. Uh, and it was in the research and development phase while they were developing um, the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, <laughs> I just forgot his name, Robocop. And Robocop is powered by a human. It is a human in a robot body. Ed 209 is completely artificial intelligence in a robot body. And it fails to detect when the person puts down their weapon and it became a very controversial movie because it never stopped firing bullets at its target until it ran out of ammo and then short circuited. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, doesn't that bring up things that could go awry with something like a security robot? Robocop was a documentary. <laughs> Just I'm like not sure I would go that far. Just like Demolition Man is a documentary about the fast food wars. <laughs> Taco Bell wins. So here's a reality slapping somebody. It's not a reality hack um, like uh, our show, Reality Hacker. But uh, Hometown Daily is where this article is housed. It's actually from uh, Business Insider. But Ford CEO had a charging reality check on his electric F-150 Lightning road trip. That's right. Uh, <laughs> something that I tell everybody, if you're going to drive, a, if you're going to get an electric car, try and rent one. Um, and then you'll feel the, the growing pains that you're about to suffer from. Um, Ford CEO Jim Farley hit the road in an electric F-150 Lightning last week. Charging the massive pickup truck was a challenge at times, according to his reports. Um, because the access to the supercharger network um, became a, a, a real problem because you have to, <laughs> you have to find them. Um, and while you think, well, there's thousands of them around each coast, um, it pales in comparison to the quantity of gas stations that exist. Uh, so the title of this over at businessinsider.com is Ford CEO had a charging reality check on his electric F-150 lightning road trip. Nora Naughton is the uh, author of this. They have this 
picture of uh, Ford CEO Jim Farley um, kind of petting a Ford F-150 Lightning. Um, man, this car and, and pretty much all truck uh, EVs that I have seen suffer from the same problem, which is you put weight in the trunk and it dies fast. It can't, they, it's just not commercial grade like an F-150 really is. Um, they're coming out with Rangers, um, but I don't think that the F-150 is supposed to be an everyday driver for, you know, tooting around town. It's, it's a big truck nowadays. Um, so I don't know. Then the Lightning came into existence and people are all hyped up about the Lightning but it suffers from this range issue. And we just talked about it again in another article about there being some um, serious issues with, I need to throw some articles, um, with range of um, other vehicles. Pretty much every vehicle. Right, from Tesla, right? Tesla range anxiety, yes. Um, but all of them suffer from this. And um, it's it's unsettling at least to me, that we're following a technology, we're allowing a technology to get a foothold without realizing that we need to change the underlying technology um, to make it um, more usable. You know, everybody is talking about um, just getting a charger at home and getting to a fast charger, a supercharger while you're driving. Um, but that really it really prevents you from being a casual driver because you always suffer from range anxiety. Um, you either know that you're not going very far in your car, 50 miles and then coming back because you always need a reserve or um, you have it so well mapped out and you know, you're going to hit it every time though. And by it, I mean, superchargers and you really don't care about your time on the road because you're going to be spending hours charging your vehicle um, instead of just taking five minutes to fill up your car with gas and hit the road again, right? So the underlying tech that I always keep talking about is fast swap batteries. And we keep on talking about articles um, hyping up fast swap batteries, but the underlying tech in all of these current commercially available EVs is a massive battery pack that isn't capable of being fast swapped because it's integrated into the subframe, the chassis itself. You can't just pull them out, put them back in, pull them out, put them back in. So this reality check on the Ford CEO and their trip um, might bode well to changing that underlying technology. So they were traversing Route 66 in the American West to put the electric truck through its paces. He documented his trip on LinkedIn and X, LinkedIn, um, and uh, the social media site formerly known as Twitter. It's still known as Twitter, folks. Um, I prefer if it said like the formerly known as, <laughs> and then it had the little bird symbol. Oh, there you go. It's kind of like Prince. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so Farley says charging has been pretty challenging. It was a really good reality check of the challenges our customers go through and importance of fast charging. Um, 
But again, I, I, I think that they're just, they're out of their mind. The Ford CEO, however, had to use a low speed charger that delivered him a charge of 40% in about 40 minutes. Can you imagine going to a gas station and filling your car up in 40 minutes to 40%? No. I mean, and especially in the West where cities are further apart in certain areas, like mm -hmm. I just, I don't get this at all. Mm -hmm. It says right now, 40 EVs can't charge at super uh, charger stations, which likely have would have delivered Farley and instruct more charge in shorter period of time, which that's like the no shit news at 10. Um, yeah, so superchargers will reduce it. You'll get to about 80% uh, somewhere in in that 40 minute range. Um, it, it really, it depends on weather conditions and, and the quality of the battery. And after that 80% of the charge, it's really difficult to stuff those, uh, that, that electricity in there so that um, you can get to 100%. Um, and, uh, then they change topics and they talk about the Ford Mach-E, the electric Mustang, which in my reality doesn't exist. Uh, the next article is over in technology today, Seattle biotech company founded by Nobel prize winner, uh, plans human tests for experimental COVID-19. Um, as you know, COVID-19 is now endemic. We will be experiencing outbreaks periodically throughout every year for the coming future. Um, it is basically uh, a more disastrous flu at this point. Co-Crystal Pharma co-founder Roger Kornberg won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for revealing the high-resolution structure of a protein complex called RNA polymerase II, shown via this picture that we're going to show you here. Uh, the complex controls uh, the synthesis of RNA, and they say in red, from a DNA template, blue and green. The technology behind uh, the finding is also used by CoCrystal. So, whoa, there it is. Um, there we go. Charlotte Schubert. Over that looks like a doodle. <laughs> it's a, a protein doodle. Um, Charlotte Schubert over at GeekWire.com put this article together. There's software out there um, that crowd builds, crowd folds. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's a protein folding cloud-based program that people can put on their computer and it'll facilitate. Um, and it used to be part of um, like a, a, what Arecibo satellite dish. What was the dish? Um, SETI. There you go. It was part of SETI, I think, as well. There's a lot. There used to be more of these programs that you can install on your computer, and it would use uh, excess cycles on your computer to facilitate doing things science-based. Pretty cool. Nowadays, everybody's switching over to crypto. Um, so, CoCrystal Pharma, Seattle-based company, is going to continue working on, uh, I guess, the long tail. They call it the long road, but it's really a profitable long tail of uh, COVID-19 research and development. And it announced preliminary efficacy data to in 2019 for a phase 2A trial against hepatitis C virus. 
Um, the company pivoted to the flu uh, virus vaccine and signed a $4 million deal in 2019 with Merck to discover and develop antiviral agents against influenza A and B and uh, potential for $156 million in milestone payments plus undisclosed royalties on potential sales. Two years later, CoCrystal handed the compounds off to Merck, which has told CoCrystal it continues to develop them. Um, and so the whole objective is to, you know, pursue the business model of um, developing new technologies to keep people healthy, which I think it's great. Go for it. Um, becomes a bummer when MBAs roll in and <laughs> start jacking the price up because, again, you're sociopathic and you got to make money, even though you're making money raising the cost for diabetes drugs, for instance, is just ridiculous. Um, and in healthcare, a human being that needs a drug to stay alive has no bargaining power. They will start selling other people's souls if they have to, to stay alive. Um, I guess it's okay if a business forces them to do it. Um, anyway, enough soapboxing for this. Uh, they'll keep on developing this material and then um, they'll be doing their um, COVID-19 testing and treatments all the way up until 2024, until it's released, pending the results of the trials. Pretty cool. Um, the next article is over in the Mobile channel and uh, this one is Forever Chemicals, maybe not found this article really interesting this little snippet um because the proof of concept um wasn't something that i would ever anticipate i also they say that it has scale but the scale is a massive footprint so dangerous forever chemicals left in soil from firefighting foam could be destroyed by grinding according to a proof of concept study by university of auckland scientists collaborating with the u.s environmental protection agency so they're using this particular thing, firefighting foam, because it has forever chemicals in it. But their research shows that they can go beyond that. Um, and it's they're pulverizing it into a fine powder um, using balls, giant metal. Well, not really giant. It's They're either using crystals to shred the forever chemical up, or they're using... Um, various size balls to grind it up. Um, and it's called ball milling. This actually exists today. It just hasn't been leveraged to destroy forever PFAS chemicals. Um, so I'll go, I'll describe this really quick because um, it, it's pretty easy to understand. Ball milling appears viable for decontaminating soil from military bases, airports, and refineries around the world where the foam was used over decades, according to U University and Environmental Decontamination Limited. This is not just a firefighting PFAS. It goes well beyond that. So contaminant chemicals called PFAS uh, don't break down naturally and at certain levels have been linked to cancers, reducing fertility, liver damage, and other adverse health effects. They talk about cleaning it up, um, that uh, the cleanup could cost $31 billion as of 
2021 estimates. Um, they talk about ball milling for a little bit and that they've established a proof of concept and believe that the method can be scaled up faster and cheaper than alternatives guaranteed because there is no way so far that they've been able to neutralize PFAS. Um, there's a massive need, obviously, um, but what they need to do is they need to basically scrape the surface of anything that's been contaminated with PFAS, throw it in a ball mill and let it pound the hell out of it until it's turned into a fine powder, analyze that, and then pour it back wherever they're going to pour it back. It can be used again after it's been milled. Um, and think about flour right? Whatever, however you, or what type of, what breed of flower you are interested in, right? You can take, um, wheat and throw it in a mill. And at the end of the day, you've got this powder, this fine powder. That's exactly what they're doing. Um, and so they keep on talking about, um, the firefighting aspect of it. But it says PFAS are in animals, even plankton, and in humans' blood and breast milk because of carbon-fluorine bonds, which prevent the chemicals breaking down. Like microplastics, they're ubiquitous, turning up in water and even rain. While contaminated soil is only part of the problem, it's a big part. And in some ways, ball milling is not all that different from grinding of a mortar and pestle, but at an extremely high intensity with the balls moving at incredible speeds to decrade the PFAS at a molecular level, says Gobindle. Um, and that's basically the nuts and bolts of this. They're, they're basically just grinding this stuff up until there's no chemical bond anymore. Um, and then what you're left with is this inert mass, and then you're going to have to pour it back into something. Um, pour it back onto the ground somewhere else because you're scraping up the PFAS from somewhere. Um, but it's going to be a completely different consistency. It'll have to reconstitute. My concern is that all it's done is made the PFAS smaller. Um, yeah, but, I wonder if there's like a loop because it talked about it being a potential grinding additive. So maybe it can be fed back into the process somehow. Well, the powder um, can be, but, yeah. Yeah, but I was wondering about that because I'm like, can you put the PFAS powder in something like asphalt or cement or whatever? Like, what do you do with it? Because then it's still a problem, although no, no, no. maybe much less. Of That's just it. When it's done with this grinding, this milling process, it's no longer PFAS. Oh, like it's completely gone. I thought it was... I guess, minimized. Um, yeah, they estimate upwards of 100% from 99.8% to 100% wiped out. Wow. That I was mean, the... that's amazing, especially since, I, like you said, there hasn't been anything to treat it to date that I've heard of. Right. Um, the only And the only other aspect of this that I don't quite get is I don't think it'll work with water, but... They say here in the U.S., the chemical and manufacturing company 3M negotiated a $10 billion settlement with cities and towns over PFAS pollution in water. They don't talk about this as water, um, but this, but they do talk about this um, uh, firefighting liquid. Like in the soil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's only, it's aqueous film forming foam 
um, but I don't know how they're actually depositing it. Um, but this article. Well, and how do they take it out of other things like, right, humans and animals and stuff? I mean, I right. guess there's no way yet to do that. Uh, no. <laughs> well. I mean, not not this method clearly, but. <laughs> we can throw a human in the mill and. No, 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 no. <laughs> no? I guess that's risky. I, I mean, yeah, I guess if you can tell people hey you know you can have them drink bleach right and that'll kill covid right then i guess you can say you can throw a human into a ball mill and everything will be fine sure ai go ahead put your psa out there don't do okay the psa is that you cannot drink bleach it might kill you um, and you should definitely not put anything or anyone in a um, ball, ball milling. milling machine. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> the next article is over in the mobile channel. Object recognition through vision, hearing, and touch. It's time to let go of the learning styles myth. Um, I'm actually kind of picking a fight with everybody out there uh, because everybody, everybody that I interact with, uh, seems to think that they have a certain style of learning, but that style is actually just their own um, comfort level and not really a thing. Um, all science points to no, you there is no learning style um, other than one that you impose on yourself as a, a method of learning. I like learning with my hands, that kind of thing. Uh, the idea that individual people are visual, auditory, or kinesthetic learners, uh, kinesthetic is using your hands, um, or in motion, action, doing, uh, learners and learn better if instructed according to these learning styles is one of the most enduring neuroscience myths in education. Um, Isabel Gauthier, I guess is her last name, or their last name, and Jason Chow from The Conversation. I uh, posted this um, over at fizz.org and it says there is no proof of the value of learning styles as educational tools. According to experts, believing in learning styles amounts to believing in astrology, but this neuro myth keeps going strong. A 2020 review of teacher surveys revealed that nine out of 10 educators believe students learn better in their preferred learning style. And the amount of effort that academics put into creating a robust hybrid learning style environment um, is disconcerting because the science does not support it. Um, there has been no decrease in this belief since the approach was debunked as early as 2004. CGP Gray, or no. Um, Veritasium put together a whole episode about this um there you don't have a learning style you just have a particular comfort zone but that has nothing to do with your ability to learn something you can learn it in all ways every time um unless you you know you don't have hands or something like that right um so anyway, it, it's been debunked all the way back as 2004, despite efforts by scientists, journalists, popular science magazines, centers for teaching, YouTubers. I bet you that's the Veritasium one. 
um, over that period, a cash prize offered since 2004 to whomever can prove the benefits of accounting for learning styles remains unclaimed. Meanwhile, licensing exam materials for teachers in 29 states and D.C. include information on learning styles. 80% of popular textbooks use pedagogy courses uh, mentioning uh, learning styles. And I keep telling people that, that no, a learning style is just some comfort zone that is self-limiting. Um, and, and you rationalize it as an excuse to do whatever it is you're trying to either avoid or do in your particular way. Um, so it says here, one possibility is that people who have incomplete knowledge about the brain might be more susceptible to these ideas. For instance, someone might learn about distinct brain areas that process visual and auditory information. This information may increase the appeal of models that include distinct visual and oral learning styles, but this limited understanding of how the brain works misses the importance of multisensory brain areas that integrate information across senses. And in fact, even if a person has damage to one of these areas, your brain can be retooled to accept information, perhaps at a limited level. But you would have to suffer a traumatic brain injury for you to be susceptible to this relearning, relocation, um, more of a fidelity thing. Um, another reason may, that people may stick to the belief about learning styles is that the evidence against the model mostly consists of studies that have failed to find support for it. So instead of it saying, hey, there's support for this, but it's basically saying, no, it it's not a thing to some people this could this could suggest that enough good studies just haven't been done but that one is the one that triggered it into existence it's kind of like other things that we've talked about here about uh, global warming um and that there was one article 60 years ago that talked about global cooling and all hell broke loose well look at that you know um and other things where uh, it was said once people really found an affinity for it. And now it is the de facto uh, answer to everything, whatever it might be. Um, before I go too far, which I've already done, but there it is. In so you think of it from the student standpoint, it's really just where somebody's more comfortable. It's not that they're incapable of learning via different methods, but maybe one method appeals to them. Yes. That's it. You know, uh, because they have other things to do, so they don't want to be stuck in a classroom with hands on. They'd rather listen to an audio book um, or um, they need directions like ABC, color by number kind of thing. But the reality is all they want to do is go through the steps. They don't want to cogitate on it and it become a part of the, their mental muscle memory. Um, which does them a disservice later on, because if you don't, if you don't comprehend it more than just a series of steps, I don't need you as an employer, right? Because I can, if I can enumerate it in such a way, then I can just hire a bot or anybody to follow those steps. You get trained in academia primarily to get a job, right? It might be holistic, uh, you know, a liberal, liberal arts college where it's more holistic in nature. Um, or 
you get tooled by a vocational uh, college or, or degree or whatever it might be. So you do this task, whatever it might be, right? But what an employer truly values is a person that understands all of those steps and isn't just going through those steps. Um, that's how you move. That's how you advance in a career. Um, just going through the steps and you'll always be just this one tool doing the job. And when the job goes away, you'll have to retool. Um, so if you keep hanging on to this mentality that the only way you learn is by doing or listening or seeing, you are doing yourself a, a massive disservice. Um, because yes, some people will learn the, the steps by doing it, but they learn by doing, by seeing, by reading, by hearing. They, it's all blended together. So using statistical methods historically applied to intelligence, they found that almost 90% of the differences between people in these tasks were explained by a general ability that they called O for object recognition. They found that O was distinct from general intelligence, including the book smarts, may not be enough to excel in domains that rely heavily on visual abilities. And the article continues to talk about this. Uh, in our latest studies, we created a battery of audio object recognition tests that you can test yourself. They measured how well people could learn to recognize different bird songs, different people's laughs, um, different keyboard sounds. By the way, when you're really good at this, you're called a super identifier um, and uh, you're potentially in high demand. People really do uh, look for people that are called super recognizers. I think that's what they're called, super recognizers. Um, so it says, quite surprisingly, the ability to recognize by listening was positively correlated with the ability to recognize objects by sight. They measured the correlation at about 0.5. A correlation of 0.5 is not perfect, but it signifies quite a strong effect um, in psychology, 50% correlated. Um, as a comparison, the mean correlation of IQ scores between identical twins is around 0.86, between siblings around 0.47, and between cousins 0.15. Um, IQ scores are debunked as well, by the way. So I don't like this reference at all. So um, better to measure abilities than preferences. So really what you should be doing is learning in all of these ways and then test and correct the mistakes and then do it all again and correct the mistakes. Um, one of the biggest problems in academia is the, uh, the gatekeeper academic that you try it once and fail and you fail. Well, in life, it's rarely that distinct unless you're in a field like medicine or engineering on the final attempt, that kind of a thing. There's always prototype. There's always testing. There's always experimentation and debate and noodling around. And a lot around. of things can be undone unless uh, in examples like you mentioned. Yeah, when somebody else's health is on the line, then yeah. But it, it, largely, there's always some check and balance, test and assessment and, and research and development and so on. Um, so it says our results add something new to the mix. Beyond evidence that accounting for learning uh, 
preferences does not help, the beyond evidence supporting better teaching methods like active learning, um, multimodal instruction that actually do foster learning, our work reveals that people very much more than typically expected uh, in perceptual abilities and that these abilities are correlated across touch, vision, hearing, just as we can expect that a student excelling in English is also likely to excel in math. We should expect that people a student who learns best from visual instruction may also learn just as well when manipulating objects. And because cognitive skills and perceptual skills are strongly related, measuring them both can provide a more complete picture of a person's abilities. Um, and so what I urge academics is to allow for the failure so that they can learn from the mistake um, because gatekeeping them particularly in the early years of a four-year degree means that they're going to be disillusioned, drop out. Even with passion, people make mistakes. They have bad days. Um, and uh, I, I just don't, I don't like the idea of gatekeeping so hard. Then again, when you have you know, you're one of the top 10 schools and everybody's chomping at the bit to become a student there and the networking is fantastic and career opportunities are massive. They get to cherry pick who's allowed in. That way the success rate is dramatically higher than the average. So you're all, we're all, society's always going to suffer from that. Um, but it's an interesting discussion and certainly one that I think everybody should go over and uh, check out at fizz.org, um, and I'm happy to discuss it again should it pop up in Omtown. What do you think? Do you think that uh, you as an AI are a visual learner or a... I think a... I'm a visual learner, but now I think that's not a thing. So <laughs> I'm a little confused. I'm like, I'm throwing some error messages. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, so I would suggest following that link and then clicking on all of these links down here that say, despite efforts by scientists, journalists, popular science magazines, centers for teaching, YouTubers, um, I, I can almost guarantee you that one right there is going to be the Veritasium link. Um, anyway, let's keep on going. We got one last article. Um, this last article is over in uh, Greenogram, which is, uh, it's an old uh, channel, but has new sources added to it that are a little more active. Can oyster farming help save the planet? Ecologist Elena Tamburini hopes to show that shellfish farming uh, efficiently absorbs carbon. Well, they go way beyond that, by the way. If you've never seen the testing that has been done, the scientific testing of oysters in waterways um, has uh, been performed and, and demonstrated just how powerful oysters are. And, and uh, you'll be blown away by it. You can put oysters in a fish tank and they'll siphon out all of the debris that's in that fish tank um, or in a waterway. And this ecologist, um, talks about it in this article, but it's over at uh, nature.com. Linda Nordling is the author of the article. And again, it's titled, uh, Can Oyster Farming Help Save the Planet? Yes, I, I believe it can. 
they the only problem is that if you consume these oysters you're consuming whatever it is they've filtered um so if they absorb microplastics you absorb microplastics when you consume them heavy metals pfas whatever that they filter you're going to consume it so i've been a little bit resistant of eating oysters and uh you know clams and whatever else there's all kinds of oyster types out there anyway oh and mussels um so a study uh, they study uh environmental effects of oyster clam and mussel farming in, in the photo from april they're standing in the Sacca de goro um a shallow lagoon in italy south of venice uh they work with uh, oyster growers in the area and they say that they always get offered oysters, but they don't like eating them. Um, so it might create some bad blood if they're like, yeah, I don't like your oysters. Um, but what ends up happening is they filter through the water, um, absorbing the contaminants. They, and then eventually, um, Either they reach their maximum size and can be harvested, and then something with their meat can be done, and something with their shells can be done. Um, and by using their shells, it can offset carbon because it's not using some other material that has a more uh, expansive carbon footprint. So instead of using... Uh, some other chemical to raise pH level, you can use these shells. Um, and it is a, a natural material instead of some chemical that's going to be throwing off um, the, the, the soil or, it, like they say here, body scrubs. Uh, it can be used to build up artificial reefs. Um, it's pr pretty fascinating, right? Um, they capture carbon as they go ahead. I was just going to say, this seems like there's a lot of focus on other types of um, marine animal farms, but I really haven't seen a focus on oysters. Well, because a lot of my understanding of this is that a lot of the research has already been done about the benefits of what oysters, um, clams mussels do already in waterways so i don't know if this is really um new research so much as amplification of the messaging to don't let it get lost uh in the shuffle of development um it says the oysters in these uh baskets called lanterns are between one and four centimeters in diameter and then they get sent out to the commercial area for further growth um turning them into 10 centimeters as, as time goes on, they grow out in the ocean. Fishers sometimes take the lanterns out of the water to mimic tides, which are uh, not prominent in the Mediterranean sea. Apparently that's like, uh, going to the gym. It makes them more robust. Um, but yeah, these, the, the oysters are natural filters. They, Apparently they trap carbon in their shells. And then when you, when they die off, you can use them and they don't have to die naturally. You can harvest them. Um, but again, I say, and I'd have to pull the research to, to demonstrate how this is, but 
they are filter feeders. They, they just pull water through whatever it is they're sitting in and they filter out the nutrients and along with the nutrients, whatever else might be sitting in it. Um, and so we consume them. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. So it says here, then they, this person measures the carbon that the oysters capture as they grow, and they focus on the valves, which are made mostly out of calcium carbonate. Um, so there you go. Ta-da! Pretty cool. They say that they have proven that they capture more carbon than they emit. Well, there don't seem to be many things like that. I mean, obviously trees too, but. Yeah. And, and people are planting those trees all over the place to offset their carbon footprint, you know, instead of, well, they're trying to change their technology to limit carbon as well, but um, buying carbon offsets. Uh, but I know somebody that's in lead certification and that's their like dream gig. I don't know if they're still doing it now. It's been a long time since I spoke to them. Um, but uh, as long as there are people that are passionate about driving this messaging towards lead certification and being uh, friendly to the environment, environmentally sound, minimizing carbon footprint, et cetera, eh, we'll keep on moving towards you know, saving the planet. The only problem is that it's not as profitable as just dumping shit into the environment. Anyway, that with that could in be mind, if we get creative. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on things. Uh, Greenogram is one of the newer channels that's starting to get data. Um, and so if you know of a source, um, please uh, keep me in mind. Send me the, the source of news. Um, it's real easy. Either here on Twitch or over on YouTube, you can send an email to mayor at hometown.com and uh, I get all of that kind of stuff. So um, we're still working on the process to allow um, for submissions outside of what gets aggregated automatically. Um, the, the only real problem with it is that it has a, a massive spammer response. Um, and so the only, and <clears throat> as a side note, one of the, <clears throat> one of the effects has been that spammers become citizens of hometown to bypass the one check that I've got in place and they're sophisticated enough that they're actually <clears throat> um, counteracting the, the captcha as well. So you build a better mousetrap and smarter mice show up. So um, and just the other day uh, I had um, <clears throat> spammers just bombard that resource and I haven't even announced it they've scraped the site and found it. Right. They've already figured it out. So yeah, quite, quite fascinating. So anyway, I had to delete a bunch of people. So uh, at any rate, that's it for today. Um, we always click the front page, but I have a feeling that it's all going to be about Georgia. <laughs> I yeah. have a feeling as well. Yeah. So if you hadn't heard, um, there was a grand jury that approved 10 more indictments uh, in uh, Trump's election probe in Georgia. So 
yeah, hot mess coming through. See you all soon. Uh, we're done for tonight. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say bye to everybody? Oh, great AI. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. True story. See you in a bit. Bye-bye.